So, Ed, people like Jefferson didn't make distinctions between science and religion. How did that change in the 19th century? Yeah, you have to remember that Thomas Jefferson also went in with scissors and edited the Bible <laughs> that's right. so, so that it said what he wanted it to say, <laughs> exactly right? Exactly right. And that's kind of a metaphor for the way that people of education handled things in the 18th century. They really didn't feel that you had to take all or nothing. And it's amazing, really, how quickly things changed after Jefferson's death in 1826. In fact, in that, that very period uh, was really the Second Great Awakening, where people mm-hmm. were rediscovering the immediacy of the Bible. And part of that was that you didn't have to hold the Bible at arm's length and see it as the product of an ancient time, but rather it was a living voice. And God might speak to you at any time, telling you that the end was near or that you needed to you know, create a new religion. Well, you know, Ed, it wasn't just religion that was evolving, so to speak. It was science as well. And This was the subject of a recent conversation that I had with Ronald Numbers, a historian at the University of Wisconsin, who's written extensively about all of this. The word scientia, science, uh, had been around since antiquity, but had been a synonym for knowledge. In the early 19th century, students of nature started using it more and more in the restricted sense of knowledge of nature. Mm -hmm. And one of the requirements for participating in this enterprise was that regardless of one's religious beliefs, if you were participating in science, doing science, you would not invoke the supernatural. Theologians had regarded themselves as part of the scientific discussion, if you will, and they found themselves on the margins at best and didn't particularly like it. However, by and large, during the, say, 30, 40 years before the appearance of Charles Darwin's Origin of Species, before the outbreak of the Civil War, there was a fair amount of harmony Mm -hmm. between science and religion. Ronald Numbers told me that this harmony remained in place even after Charles Darwin's On the Origin of Species hit American shores at the end of 1859. That was due in part to the efforts of Darwin's biggest supporter in the U.S., a Harvard botanist named Asa Gray. Gray argued that not only could humans be exempted from Darwin's law of natural selection, but that the twists and turns that evolution took could be attributed to God. I think that Asa Gray was really trying to defang Darwinism for Americans and and other theists. But what isn't as well known, perhaps, is that Darwin did the same thing. (laughs) At the end of The Origin of Species, he says that the evidence that he's presented indicates that all plants and all animals— descended respectively from four or five originally created kinds. And then in the second edition, Darwin adds, by the creator. Ah. In correspondence a few years later, he expresses regret that he had introduced Pentateuchal language, but he never took it out. (laughs) It went through six editions before he died, and he left it in there. So he couldn't have been that sorry. If Darwin was more Christian than a lot of us think, American Christians, 
or at the same time becoming more scientific. By the end of the 19th century, many theologians had come to terms with evolution. And then, in the 1920s, something changed. Laws started popping up in a number of states banning the teaching of human evolution. I asked Ron Numbers what was behind the emergence of an anti-Darwinist movement six decades after Darwin. Well, there are several possibilities, and and what is the success of evolution in penetrating the churches and schools of America? And one of the things we see after World War I is just an explosive growth in public secondary school education. Right. Where they're going to run across these ideas. Right. So the success of evolution, I think, was important. Its linkage with the Germans became fairly common. Hmm. So in World War I, you had the question, uh, why did the most highly scientific culture on Earth engage in such barbaric actions? And the answer was that they had imbibed of uh, Darwinian evolution, Hmm. among other things. And then people pointed out the decline in morality among American youth. You know, if you taught young people that uh, they had evolved from animals, then you had every reason to expect them to behave like animals. Huh. So you have that sort of social concern that evolution was undermining the value of human life. That's Ronald Numbers, historian of science at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. It's time for a short break. When we get back, we'll hear the story of the Reverend Erwin Moon, the preacher-scientist who flickered his way into classrooms across the nation. <laughs> 